All right, everybody, welcome to the third episode of the House Divided podcast. Uh, we are back for yet another week uh, here to talk about Michigan surviving that scare against Army and MSU's apparently newly loaded offense. <laughs> it feels better to have uh, like points this weekend. I, I know how other teams in the country feel now. Yeah, yeah, no, I was uh, keeping an eye on the game all night Saturday while I was at work, and I, uh, that first quarter performance specifically was really, really impressive, especially I read into, if anybody has an athletic uh, subscription, Nick Bumgardner did a real, uh, film study on the MSU offense and the Michigan offense, but I'd rather talk about the MSU offense right now. Um, <laughs> and it, it was really interesting. They really spread it out and looked pretty good. Yeah, and it was interesting to read Nick's article because I think a lot of what MSU did Saturday kind of made me feel more like the Tulsa game they were trying to hide some things or uh, or didn't want to trot everything out because we've been hearing all summer that they were going to switch to zone blocking and that was going to help an undersized line. They didn't do that against Tulsa and they did that against Western Michigan and you know, you have a redshirt freshman running back called gain almost 200 yards. So yeah, it, it was definitely a, I think you could see that uh, maybe the biggest problem was the offensive line. Cause as soon as that got figured out, everything else seemed to open up uh, with the huge caveat that I don't think I was very impressed with the defensive Western. So uh, they get a much stiffer test this weekend to see if we've actually made real progress or that was uh, uh, just kind of a tease. Yeah, no, it's really intriguing, I think, because Western's defense was not – it is not good, just to put it bluntly. They're looking for bowl eligibility in the MAC, and even then I don't think they're winning their games with their uh, defensive prowess. I think they're going to be doing it offensively. But regardless, uh, they MSU checked all the boxes. I mean, like, there's only so much you can do when you're playing Western Michigan – and they did about everything right. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Elijah Collins. I was talking on Twitter. I think it's actually pretty cool that we have two, albeit Elijah Collins is a redshirt freshman and Zach Charbonnet is a true freshman, two really young running backs that both look like they have potential to be really fun for a couple of years. So I think that's a cool thing to have in state. Yeah, and I think it's uh, it's kind of cool. I was actually listening to uh, uh, the Rainer – has their NFL podcast and it's one of the ones that I really like listening to with Robert Mays and they spent a lot of the summer talking about how the NFL level is just really phasing out running backs going running back by committee and all these other things but it was interesting for as an MSU fan I think to look back and see how big of a difference it can make when you have someone who is training to be a running back versus putting an athlete at running back uh you know, I love Ladarius Jefferson and Connor Hayward. I think they've been real troopers with some bad line play and other things in front of them. But I think you could really tell a difference when you have a kid who has played running back. He knew when to cut. He knew how to be patient and wait for a hole to open up. Uh, and it was just a world of difference compared to, you know, just plugging in someone with, with talent who you just want to force onto the field. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, we'll we'll get to Michigan's. I guess since we've already we we're gonna start with Michigan, but we've already talked so much about MSU the first couple of minutes. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just start with them and we'll uh, talk about that. But yeah, you can clearly tell. I watched some highlights. I didn't get around to watching a ton, but Elijah Collins 
looked looks really good, uh, really exciting for Michigan State fans. And you can tell he does kind of have that running back. I don't know if Gene is the right word, but you can just kind of see it in him, the way he hits the holes. And uh, it re- really cool to see. I don't know the last time I've seen something at MSU like it, probably freshman year LJ Scott. I'm not even sure. It's probably not a great comparison, but just talking no, and about I think like that I, I, position. The MSU fan base, I think, uh, due to Le'Veon Bell, has always – ever since Le'Veon, it seems like we're always obsessed with uh, having a style of running back who can be patient, waiting for something to open up and then attack. And I know it's – and I don't know if it's because we've never had the offensive lines that can just completely dominate every single game. Uh, but it seems like that's when we've had success with running back. And, and to some extent that was LJ's success was he, he had that ability to not need a wide open hole right away. And he could kind of dance in the middle and then just find a spot and hit a gear. Uh, but yeah, Elijah, you know, if it's one game, <laughs> so we probably need to, uh, pump the brakes on anything with Le'Veon and LJ, but I think that was where I got a feeling of watching those guys again. It was just seeing him know, hey, you know what? The hole's not there right now, so I'm going to take a little bit of a lateral step, and then it's going to be there. Uh, and that was a huge difference compared to, you know, having a quarterback like Jefferson or uh, really an all-around player like Hayward, who that's just not what they've done, and they're still learning that in college, which is a, ta- a hard time to learn that. Yeah, yeah, definitely it is. Uh, and I, yeah, I wasn't trying to, and you know this, but definitely <laughs> pump the brakes on people uh, comparing them. I just, I, no. I it, was, it was cool to see a performance like that because I don't know if Hayward uh, or Jefferson have had those type of performances where you look no, at absolutely not. and you just, and, and not to say love at first sight, but you do get some of those uh, types of feelings. But, you know, it was Western Michigan, so let's start to look a little bit ahead to next week with Arizona State rolling into town. Obviously, this is the return game from the 10.30 p.m. Pac-12 after dark. Uh, weird-ass game from last year. Uh, Arizona State, I believe, has a freshman quarterback playing, so it's a, ty- it's a different type of outfit that's coming in, but they still do have a top-10 defense on SP+. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see how the offense looks for Michigan State. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where their uh, what their game plan becomes because I think uh, it was clear against the Western game they just wanted to come out and find that confidence, get over the Tulsa game, uh, and and take some risk that I think they probably knew they could take. Uh, and I think they can still do that against Arizona State. I think. I, I have no fear that Arizona State's going to put anything more than 17 points against MSU. Uh, so the offense is going to have time to to get their points, but you know you would love to see them come out and have a, a two touchdown first quarter, or if they can repeat the three like they did on Saturday, that'd be awesome. So uh, it's yeah, it's hard to know what uh, when you have one performance like Tulsa and then one performance like Western Michigan you don't even know where to begin on and evaluating what you're going to see Saturday night. Yeah, um, we're still in the preseason, actually. We have no idea yeah. what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it feels exactly like that. You just don't know what to expect week to week right now. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think one thing that is nice is the Western game, even going to the first series, 
it wasn't scripted. Uh, you know, I think back to like 2016, remember when uh, MSU had an awful year, but they come out against Michigan and they put together that drive where they score on their first drive and it gives yep. you some hope. But it was clearly scripted where they knew for one drive, we're going to do these things, but then over the whole game, that's not going to happen. Uh, and, and that was not the case against Western. So I think that's what I'm going to be looking for Saturday is can we do – you know, not be scripted, even if we come out the first drive and it's not great, can they score on their second and third drive? And, and that's going to be the consistency where you can say, okay, they're going to have their three and out or maybe Lowerke throws a bad interception like he did Saturday night. But then the next drive, they just pull everything back off perfectly and, and it, you feel much better again. Yeah, and I really think that the focal point of this game where it will be won is when uh, Michigan State has the ball. How is that offensive line and how are the schemes that they're trying to put in place holding up against that Arizona State defensive line? Um, Because really last year, that's where I think Arizona State won the game. They got a couple of big plays on offense, but they were only in that because the defensive line was so dominant. Uh, It'll be really interesting to see if Lewerke's going to have a lot of dirt on his jersey uh, or not, because I, I really think Michigan's a four, or Michigan State rather is a 14-point favorite, which I, I guess just not knowing enough about Arizona State's transition this year um, I thought was a little bit of a high number. Uh, but well, the fascinating thing about that number, too, is I think, I think that opened at seven or seven and a half. So that tells you that a lot of money is coming in on MSU. So that is, uh, that's the crazy part. I think Vegas, they, they still favored MSU. Like I said, I think it, I saw it at seven to eight points or so, which, which felt about right to me. Uh, but yeah, to see the money come in to push that to 14 is probably the, uh, the stranger thing than it is uh, that, that it was started that point. So yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, if uh the, the cover part of that is going to be a fascinating dynamic for sure. Yeah, it will. In my notes, I, I put that I liked MSU from anywhere from like five to 10 points. And I think it's just going to be a super ugly football game, but I was really you know, interested to see that it was a 14 point spread, but that I think it does make sense that it's gotten bet all the way up to 14, just because really the only concern holding Michigan state back from being close to an elite team has been that offense. So then you see him put 51 up. I think a lot of the public, especially really, uh, I'm not surprised to see him, uh, bet it that far. Um, another thing. So what do you have a number in your mind? I, I hate to paint things so black and white, but we're just talking about sports. So we kind of have to just a little bit, um, do you have a number of points in your mind that if the MSU offense produces this many points, then it's for real? Because I, I was thinking somewhere between 24 and 28, where if you're still moving the ball, getting that amount of points up on this Arizona mm-hmm. State defense, that's really hard-nosed, tough, um, then I'm really going to buy the the hype. Uh, you know what, to be honest, with, with how I think our defense is going to go this week, um, I, I really feel like we can get a lot of short fields. You have a freshman quarterback uh, coming for Arizona State, and they only put 19 points up on Sacramento State, and they really struggled to move the ball against Sacramento State. Uh, and they have a pretty pretty lowly regarded offensive line. Uh, I think, to be honest, the thing I'm going to pay attention to more is is the yardage in a way, which I know is is a weird way to look at it. But oh, no, I think MSU could put up. 
they could put up, I think, 28 to 31 points this week, but you, it might be deceiving if it's, you know, you finish off a 40 yard drive because of an interception or a forced fumble or, you know, those types of things. Uh, you know, a good example is like if they would have done, they would have finished their drives against Tulsa, they would have had maybe 35 offensive points because of all the short fields, but you still wouldn't have felt that confident because they just were working in short space. So I think uh, if, if they can get a performance of the 400 to like 450 yards, that would be awesome. I don't think they're going to get there. I think I respect the Arizona State defense more than to think we're going to put up that many points or that many yards. Uh, but you know, last week at 582, I remember I had in my head if, as the first quarter was going on, if this got to 500, I couldn't remember the last time that MSU was putting up 500, and they were there in the third quarter. So, yeah. so I think this week, it, if we can get to that 400-yard mark of 400 to 450, that's going to say a lot to me that they are real, uh, more so than even the points, because I think they can win on a low point. They can win with putting up 21, I think, this week. Uh, that's my my uh kind of my opinion on where our defense is at but i'm really going to look for about 400 yards and if they can do that i I feel really good about that development yeah that's a very good point yardage yardage is something that should be uh taken very much into consideration and i guess the last part to talk about the michigan state portion of the show is um the defense did surrender a lot of passing yards at least compared to what a lot of people expected Personally, that wouldn't worry me much at all. That is literally how Western Michigan gets their points, gets their yards. It's their bread and butter, really. Um, But I did see people concerned because I think they got the passing yards doubled or tripled on them from week one to week two. Uh, That doesn't really concern you at all, right? No, it really doesn't. I don't think Tulsa was anywhere near uh, as successful in the passing game. And it wasn't just because uh msu making mistakes on saturday night i i that's how much i do respect john watson and the wide receivers uh they have at western i think they're pretty talented uh and you know i think msu just had to play a little bit different uh, due to wide sets and things they weren't uh getting as much pressure getting to watson as quick he reminded me a lot of like what you hear about true breeze or other nfl quarterbacks which just he knows he has to get the ball out in two to three seconds and he does that um and whereas the Tulsa quarterback was going to hold on to it or wait for a route or things to come open. So wasn't really concerning for me. I, it, to be honest, the Western's always kind of put up uh, the yardage against us in the air, uh, even under, uh, you know, Bill Cubitt on to PJ Fleck and, and things like that. So, um, you know, if, if Arizona State was to come in and put up air yardage this weekend, that would be concerning to me. Uh, but I think at this point, you know, I expect Western. I expect probably Northwestern next week. There's just certain teams that I know just run these sets that have always given us some issues. Uh, it's just about can they keep them out of the end zone enough and and uh, and end drives after picking up chunk yardage on uh, some like crossing routes and things like that. Yeah, and and that's about what I figured you'd be thinking, and uh, it's a very uh, rational mindset. Um, <laughs> eh. Uh, so I guess we should, or I guess I'll ask you one more question. Do you, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't think Michigan State's going to cover this weekend. I think they win, and I don't think anybody's that nervous for the last, like, 10 minutes of the game. But because I think it's going to be one of those ugly, like, maybe 21-10 type games where 
even though the it's only an 11 point lead uh their offense just i don't think arizona state said is won't be able to move the ball um do, do you think michigan state covers this weekend um I want to say no. Fourteen is a lot. I, I liked them to cover when it was at seven and a half to eight. Fourteen would be uh, would be a lot of points. But to be honest, I wouldn't be that surprised if they do. Um, it just it it was Western Michigan, but from watching thirteen games last season, and then the that Western game, and even parts of the Tulsa game that I found some positives in. I think Brad Salem's different enough that they could uh, put together enough offense to do it. Uh, and there's enough that I think is different that Arizona State won't be as willing, able to prepare for it. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it'll be as ugly, but I think it'll be something along the lines of like a, you know, maybe a 27-17 or a 27-14 where you just barely don't cover. Uh, but – MSU never really is in doubt. They're never really concerned throughout the game uh, and pretty much controls it uh, from beginning to end. Uh, I think that's probably about what I see happening. Yeah. Yep. So we're in also a similar headspace there then. All right. I guess we should uh, get to that, that game that happened on the other end <laughs> on Saturday. Um, yeah. So, well, so I'm going to need you to uh, tell me your, just the range of emotions. Was it angry the whole time? Was it? You don't even know. What was it? It was. Uh, you know, there wasn't even that much anger. I'm not. I'm not one to get like super angry about. Right. It's more. Of, well, it's what you expected too, a little bit, right? Yeah, like this wasn't yeah. oh, an yeah. upset of. This wasn't yeah. Michigan struggling with someone that you thought they were going to blow out. You you kind of knew the Army game was going to be weird. Everyone was dreading it. Yeah. Well, but that's I the whole still thing. feel like it wasn't that. You didn't it, expect that, though. It, it was the worst I told you so ever. Because I, I was sitting here telling you last week, I do not yep. feel good about this. I am very nervous. And, uh, you know, there was only about a two- or three-minute stretch where I wasn't just in agonizing pain. And it was um, right after they had the drive to tie it 7-7, and then we're playing really, really strong defense. That whole uh, drive, and then obviously the fumble, scoop and score touchdown that should have been, I, I felt right. good. And I, I think, I truly think if that touchdown stands, we are sitting here talking about a very different football game. But uh, yeah, it was mostly horrible, horrible pain watching that game. Um, it added into the fact that, like I told you, I had to work at four that day. It was a noon game. And so then it goes into overtime, and I have to sit there and be worried that we are going to lose. But also, I have to leave at 340, and I don't really have another option. So I also might just miss the end of it. I didn't end up missing any of it, but it, it was – I had a very I had a very similar experience from a – wanting to see the car crash in that I had to leave to go tailgate for MSU. So yeah. I think I left, oh man, I, I think I left during the second overtime drive. So I saw, I didn't see the field goal, but I saw Patterson, uh, miss three. Uh, have like the, yeah, I think yeah. I saw the spec. Maybe I left after the second throw. I, I know it was during that drive. And by the time I got the game on the radio, uh, Michigan had already kicked their field goal. Uh, and Army was already behind the stick, so I know it. Uh, 
I was in that that range, but yeah, yeah. That, oh man, it it was. Uh, I I really felt for Michigan fans that day because I were I in your shoes, even though you knew you saw it coming. I think I don't think I saw it coming from that no. way. No, I did not see you overtime know, coming. And not even that. I think I think I thought you know if Army makes it close, it's because Army controls the clock and they just. You know, Michigan is scoring, but Michigan is scoring on six-play drives that only take a two minutes. And and so Army hangs around because they shorten the game. But, I mean, I could not believe, as an MSU fan watching there, watching that offensive line get blown up by the Army defensive line was very satisfying to be like, maybe we have more of a chance this year than I'm giving us credit for. Because yeah. that was amazing to me. They They blew Michigan off the line. So here's the thing. I was about in the same boat with you up until about half an hour ago. I read Brian Cook's UFR from that game from MGO blog. Okay. And um, basically uh, his takeaway was that four out of the five offensive linemen played very strong games and Ryan Hayes okay. left tackle got blown up so repeatedly. I think he was at a minus eight on the day. Um, gotcha. It, that, in addition with some sketchy play calling and some sketchy read decisions, uh, was what gave it that feel to it, which that makes me feel a little bit better on one end because when we go play Wisconsin in like nine days or whatever, uh, we should have John Runyon back at left tackle. And if you add John Runyon to the way the other four played, I think you do still have a good offensive line. But I don't blame you at all for having that takeaway because that was one of my bigger ones was the O-line did not look strong. Um, but here's the thing about the game, though. It was the same thing as week one where stupid mistakes tanked the result. Whereas in against Middle Tennessee State, those stupid mistakes with a lot of possessions made it a 19-point win instead of a 34-point win. You know, whereas – the stupid mistakes in a game where Michigan only got nine possessions and we're including one of those one play where Shea Patterson fumbled as a possession in army eats up the clock. You take down the variance and you're still making those mistakes. That's how you end up in overtime with army. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so it was, it was definitely torture to watch. And, but the worst part about it is I think a lot of the concerns kind of end after the Army game. I, not all, because I am very concerned about if John Runyon goes down this year, uh, the left tackle grade isn't, or left tackle depth is not as great as we thought. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about uh, Josh Gaddis's play calling because there were just some decisions that seemed baffling to me throughout the course of the entire game. Um, and then you have that paired with Mike Loxley over at Maryland and their offense looks unstoppable. So are we getting that answer to who was really behind the Alabama offense? Um, I'm not <laughs> sure, but it, it definitely could be something like that. Um, the defense balled out though. I mean, you both touchdown drives for army were both not quite a short field, but both uh, right after, turnovers which in a game where right. defense was already going to be on the field for almost 40 minutes that's really really tough to respond to um 
And then in terms of the offense, I guess my, my, the optimist in me is really hoping that the way that Army plays where you only get so many possessions and you, you just constantly feel disrupted, I'm hoping that it was the fact that they couldn't get in a rhythm. But really it's the, the back-breaking mistakes that are so unacceptable and really make me happy about a week three bye. Yeah, I think that's true. I think, uh, you know, earlier we're thinking the bye was good just to rest guys' bodies after playing Army. But now it seems like the bye is good just for actual needing to work on things, not just healing up because uh, I, yeah, I, you don't want to pull uh, the playmaking ability after two games. Obviously, Gaddis is healing his way out a little bit as yes, a play caller. But, but, man, it, I don't see how this is anything close to the improvement they were hoping to have when you take it out of Harbaugh's hands into uh, into Gaddis's hands. So, yeah, it, there are still some pretty high points. Um, it, play calling-wise, not as much. Um, but the RPOs that are in effect are still really working. And a, a lot of the art creeds and uh, running-type plays – at that point, I'm really just hoping that it's uh, Patterson being dinged up and hoping the bye week gets him fully healthy because a lot of the reads he was making, or as Harbaugh claimed, it wasn't him. It was uh, how the plays were called. If that is the case, that is truly worrying. Um, I have more of a feeling, I guess, that Harbaugh was lying about Patterson being dinged up for obvious reasons, but – if Patterson was fully healthy last week, then I'm really, really worried about how Michigan's season is going to go compared to their expectations and goals going into the year. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think uh, to me, with especially when he pulled, was uh, pulled out of the game there uh, on the one keeper that he had in the second half, it was pretty obvious he was injured. I don't I yeah. know that the TV broadcast was saying that they thought he was cramping up or something like along those lines, but uh, it wasn't that hot this weekend. I, yeah, I guess he could have been cramped up, but I'm guess I'm, I'm going to give Shea Patterson more credit than that. I think he's in better shape and, and gets good treatment at U of M that he wouldn't be cramping up in a 70 degree day. Yeah. Uh, especially when he wasn't running very much all day. Um, well, exactly. So yeah, I definitely That's felt like he's got something going on upper body. Uh, Cause on that play, of course, too, he dove too. And it just, it looks like he may have a little thing on his upper body that's uh, clearly hampering at least the run part of his game. Yeah, uh, I don't think I noticed anything with his passing that was very off or anything along those lines. But uh, it really hard. It really makes it hard to call an RPO offense when no one believes that he's going to run, or they're yeah, very yeah, willing to let issue. him run. So, so on on first watch again, I thought it was the same story as the Middle Tennessee State game where they were running these read options and then, and Shea should have kept it so many times cause they weren't guarding it. Um, just even going back and watching highlights before I read uh, Brian's UFR today, I already like saw the defensive end was not, it, it wasn't there for the taking. Like I thought it was, I still think there were a couple times he should have kept it and could have made them more honest because you're, I'm assuming Shea Patterson, he's not super speedy like McCaffrey, but I still think he's able to outrun uh, Army defensive end. 
but there's a thing if he's trying to do that with an oblique thing going on and he really doesn't want to be hit at this point, then I see why uh, he's not taking it. But that's going to be a real problem if that's a recurring issue, like I said. Uh, Although I do think that a lot of these things, it wasn't a good performance from Michigan, but a lot of people are writing off the season. And I'm not talking about outside of Michigan's fan base because I completely understand if this happened to Michigan State or Ohio State, I'd be trolling away too. I'm not upset at all at any Michigan State fans trolling Michigan for what happened on Saturday. But the implosion of this fan base, not even just immediately, but still even going on Tuesday and Wednesday, is absolutely absurd, and everyone, I think, needs to get a grip because there are valid concerns, but my word, it literally happened to a playoff team last year, and I know this isn't the same exact Army team, but it happened to Oklahoma last year in almost identical fashion, except the, their undoing was just not being able to move the ball and not having enough yards, whereas Michigan's undoing was stupid mistakes, whereas they were really defensively putting it on Army and offensively when they weren't shooting themselves in the foot. They had a lot of really good drives. I, I just do not understand. I saw one tweet that said, if you're not disgusted – with Michigan's effort in uh, preparation on Saturday, then I don't know how you can call yourself a Michigan fan. I'm not even going to like put away the fact that if you're disgusted about how some college kids play football, you really need to take a step back probably. But I really just don't see it being as bad as everybody thought it was. I think uh... – after we just said the bye week is great for the team, because I think there are things to work on, the bye week was probably terrible for the fans. <laughs> there is nothing for them to look forward to this weekend. Yeah. Uh, and you don't even get to have the, uh, the optimism of, hey, maybe Wisconsin's going to go and look terrible this weekend, so then I feel better about playing Wisconsin, because Wisconsin's off too. Yep. So it, you have two weeks to just stew and stare down the barrel of a Wisconsin defense that, granted, has not played two really scary teams or anything, but has given up zero points. points. (laughs) Not allowed a point. point. And they are seem like they're the Wisconsin offense machine again. Uh, So, and you have to play it on the road. So I don't, uh, if I'm correct, they do play on the road at Wisconsin. Yup, they're in Madison, and I don't think they've won that since the early 2000s. Yeah, so I think... uh, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's a tough week for fans, I think, to have that. And, you know, depending on the, the type of U of M fan that they are as well, I, I, don't, I won't blame anyone who's saying that they're, you know, obsessed. There are clearly parts of my fan base that are very obsessed with everything that Michigan does. So I totally get uh, we own that. Uh, but I think it doesn't help when you don't really get to pick on MSU or Ohio State this week because uh, they both looked – very good. So yeah. it's it's just like everything working against Michigan this week. It was not. Yeah. I know Ace uh, Ace Dambender is one of my favorite guys to to work with, and he had I forget what he calls it, but he has the perfect Michigan weekend as you know a Michigan win and Notre Dame, Ohio State, and MSU losing. And I've seen him like tweet about as it's happening if it can happen and everything. I think the opposite was true this weekend. Of there was just nothing right for Michigan outside of they got a win, but it was ugly. 
Yeah, uh, and, and I so completely that, agree. But you know what? After and I know a lot of people say I shouldn't stoop to comparing the Harbaugh era to any past eras. But you know, we're in a pretty good place that the perfect storm of negative emotions for Michigan was a double overtime victory. You know, it, I just yeah. And I completely get being super frustrated as I was the last thing I wanted to see as uh, as a Michigan fan Saturday night was to watch MSU go out and blow the doors off of Western because that's just how emotions work, right? You know, yeah. Uh, I, I, I just think everybody could use a breath of fresh air just for a minute because, <laughs> I mean, the takes I was seeing were talking about like literally people are talking about is Jim Harbaugh in the hot seat after Michigan is two and all in. Yeah, I think, I, it, I, I think mean, there's a huge, it's all I think there's a huge yeah. golf. So I think you, uh, you and I, and, and, and the, the smarter people that I think we probably, uh, really filter our Twitter feed with, with Michigan fandoms, uh, knew that army was good, right? Like they, we yeah. knew why they're a unique team. We knew why they're a bad setup. We knew why you say you never schedule Army or Air Force. But I think that with a fan base as large as Michigan's, I think there's a lot of people who just show up Saturday assuming that you guys are going to win by 50. And, yeah. and yeah. it's just – and that's the problem. I don't think uh, there's enough knowledge of how good Army is. No, there isn't. And so, so I think, you know, there's that. And it, the hard part will be I don't – you know, unless they really – outperform against Wisconsin I could be an ugly couple of weeks uh until they take it all out on Rutgers again which will probably be funny for all of us yes yeah <laughs> yeah and that's the hope and you know we'll we'll get a lot deeper into Wisconsin next week uh when we ha- actually have something to preview for Michigan um that game could really go either way now I feel but um I guess because we are getting close to our time limit just because of personal stuff going on. It's going to be a shorter episode this week. I did just want to highlight how close this game was to going very to both ways. Um, and that's the stupid type of stuff that happens when you play an army that keeps it to like an 18 possession game. Um, Michigan very well could have took that momentum. Like we talked about earlier, if Metellus doesn't get called for having his knee down, and taking it into the end zone, and and he does take it into the end zone, then you're looking at 14-7 with everybody in the big house. The big house would have been rowdy. That's a tough environment to overcome. On the flip side of that, it was 14-7 Army, and they had the ball on the one-yard line in the third quarter. And if if, uh, the Army fullback doesn't take that false start penalty and push them back five yards and then have them get an interception two plays later. They only had to throw it because of that false start penalty. I right. don't think there's a way Michigan crawls out of that hole either. I, I really don't. I mean, that would have made it 21 to seven and they ended the game with 14 points. They ended regulation with 14 points. Uh, it, it was just, it was a really stupid game. And while I think there are takeaways, um, and I, I, I didn't even mention any of the positive takeaways really. Um, Zach Charbonnet, despite only averaging 3.3 yards a carry, he had 33 carries. He was a workhorse. So to show that capability in your second ever game, as well as 
a lot of plays being blown up because Army didn't have to watch for Shea to keep the ball. Um, he made a lot of cuts and turned a lot of zero-yard gains into three-yard gains, turned a lot of two-yard losses into nothing, into getting back to the line of scrimmage. So Zach Charbonnet looked really good. And Ronnie Bell, outside of one play where he had a first down and then spun back uh, to not get it, and then that ended up forcing a turnover, I think, later on. But outside of that one play, Ronnie Bell looked really, really good as well. So I, I do want to mention the positive takeaways. So, so not to pull you back to a negative, but kind of a quick question to pull you off on it. I don't think either one of us can answer. From a Michigan fan's perspective, though, are you worried that the fumbles are just fluky, or what? Where does that rank? Because I mean, that it's so, crazy to think of how many they yeah. had three a year ago, which I think was probably too much on the low end, right? Like I know Bill Connolly always talks about turnover fumbles line. are just one of the, turnovers are just one of the flukiest things. Like one year everyone drops the interceptions, the next year they catch it. You can't really always say that it's a scheme or it's a player problem. Yeah. It's just so, turnovers are just luck. But but at this point, we, is Shea – is there any concern there? Yes. I mean, there has to be. His pocket presence in the first two games has not been good. Like, hasn't – it's been just flat out not good. Um, there's been a couple times where he has a pocket in just – gets happy feet for no reason. And obviously the way he's been holding the ball um, has not been the safest. But uh, honestly, I'm my brain is very analytically driven. So I kind of see the same way that Bill Connolly does. Uh, not quite to his point, but I'm somewhere not in the middle, but probably three quarters of the way uh, there. I'm not that worried about the fumbles, especially because of the bye week right after it. I don't think there's a way that they let this go on, the coaching staff. Um, and then even if you want to break down the three fumbles on Saturday, uh, you had the first one, Shea should not have dropped that ball and probably should have gotten the ball out before he even got hit. This Ronnie Bell was open across the middle. Um the second one, that's he got hit from the blind side, and that's a textbook strip. Christian Turner's got to be better in pass protection, but I think we're getting True Wilson back, so I think we may see a little bit less of Christian Turner where in plays where the running back has uh, pass protection responsibilities. Um, so I'm going to really attribute that one to a little bit of a fluky thing, at least going forward. And then the third one was just Ben Van Sumer and being careless with the ball. And I don't think we're going to see very much of Ben Van Sumer in the rest of the year outside of right. time. So I'm still leaning fluky, but it was very – during the game it was very alarming. And it just kind of felt like uh, – it, it just – it felt like Murphy's Law at the time. Yeah. Uh, going forward so – I'm not that concerned. Yeah, so in, like you said, we probably should wrap up soon, but I, two things that I was thinking about from an MSU perspective as I was watching the game. One was, since he's not starting on the defensive tackle, is it impossible to just get the Ben Mason package back at the goal My line? My word, uh, I hope so, because that, <laughs> it, it, I, I hate to keep on bringing it, I'm, uh, Brian's UFR up, but it's really fresh in my mind. I read it an hour ago. 
And uh, and the UFR is great, so it's totally oh, fine to bring it up. It, it is one great. of the best and parts I, of any football week. So yeah, and I and I promote it on my Twitter, and I I learn so much every time I read it, just about the game of football, not even about the analysis of that specific game. But um, Michael Onwenu was absolutely just tossing people out of the way. At one point, right. pass protection, he was blocking two dudes at once because Mayfield messed up. And, like, not like that's not a stretch by saying he had one hand on each dude and still gave Shea enough time. Um, but in terms of the running game specifically, he was literally just mowing guys over. And Brian even said, like, can we please just give Ben Mason the ball and let him yeah. run behind Mike Unwenu? Because you cannot tell me that, a, that if it's third and three – that play won't get three yards and two downs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, it was one of those where I, you know, as a, as a non-Michigan fan, as you know, I saw on Twitter, uh, you know, something about it uh, during week one of, of missing Mason at the goal line. I had assumed he graduated. I had completely missed that he was moving over to the defensive side of the ball. So yeah, I, you know, Harbaugh's a pretty, I think, you know, he's done some pretty interesting things with the coach. I, I'm surprised that he's not more open to just, uh, you know, keeping that in as a goal line package. And maybe we do see it later in the season because they are so. showing some struggles with that. But, uh, you know, thinking back to those two fourth down plays, like that's a perfect, just give it to Ben Mason last year. Uh, and, and I don't know if uh, that's something that we might see later. And then the other thing I was thinking as I was watching, and it's going to be a little hot takey. I'm not saying he is as bad as this last year, but I really hope Shea is going to get healthy here because it's, Oh, watching that game Saturday reminded me of watching Brian Lewerke before they admitted he was injured. And I really hope that's not what's going on with Shea because yeah. he's got a bright future. It's his NFL, you know, draft year. I really want to see Shea. Uh, and I want to see Michigan, you know, play to their full potential and, yeah. and, and not be able to just lean on the injuries. So it, it but it did, uh, you know, someone who's scarred by Lewerke a year ago, who I am convinced he was injured against Arizona state or even Utah state. Mm-hmm. the very first game of the season, they just happened to keep him in. It it reminded me of that. Now, I, I think Shea is passing the ball better than Lewerke was when he was injured, but, you know, I really hope Shea is not with a long-term injury here and we, we see him get healthy for uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, and, I, and I, I feel the same way, and I'm really hoping that this bye week, it came at a great time, it seems, for Michigan, and it'll be really interesting to see – um, I think there's going to be a lot of pent-up energy come noon on Saturday the 21st. But, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to wrap this up then. Um, thanks again for listening. We are going to continue to try and be more active on Twitter. Uh, episodes, again, going up on SoundCloud. Again, submitting them to iTunes, just waiting on that approval. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about whatever happens this Saturday with Arizona State and Michigan State. And then we'll be back to preview some Big Ten play. And single-game tickets just went on sale at Yoast for hockey. So we're getting within a month, yes. I think, of hockey season two, which excites the ever-living yeah. crap out of me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a week of uh, – it's in my roster week of uh, the junior teams are slowly leaking their rosters out. So I've been working my side job on that with all these rosters coming out and uh, – and scouring the MSU roster to figure out we had a transfer. So that's, uh, we're getting close. You know, it's not trying to just guess. And uh, it's so much different 
you know, and you know it too. And, and anyone listening to hockey, they know it's so much different. Uh, you know, football rosters, you can get all the reports you want in June. Uh, I, you know, we all are stuck in the stone ages of, we just have to wait for the team to tell us what the hell's going on. So uh, it's starting to quit playing the tea leaves and, and actually have some things going on pretty soon. So I'm excited about that too. Yep. So pretty soon, we'll, in addition to all of our football coverage, we'll be previewing some basketball, some hockey, and uh, we'll get even even meatier episodes with more content. But uh, that's it for tonight. So we will see you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, have a great weekend, folks.